Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Studios, it's the Press Box Summer Edition. Yeah, old lady! Ed Grady. I'm not surprised the only women you see naked are in magazines. Tyler Bischoff. Again, this is really not my field. On ESPN Las Vegas. Here we go on a Wednesday. Glad you could join us. It's Ed, Tyler, and Jared. Press box. Hang the banner. Print the shirts. Wear the balloons and when are the when's Hang the parade? The banner. When's the parade? Okay, I don't care about the parade. Nobody I wants to parades. go to any parades. Oh, we never asked Jared. He was gone. Oh, don't, you were gone. On. Oh, you didn't. Okay. Hold All on. Right. Be be straight about this. Don't, don't give any way and opinions on what we feel. I think I just did. But do you like parades? Parades. Uh, not. Well, okay. That's all we need. No, no, he's pausing. He's, he's pausing. He's pausing. Is it like the parade that happens at the end of a car show where like all the cool cars drive by? I don't know what that is. Okay, then no, I do not like parades. <laughs> oh, it's eight three now. It's eight three. <laughs> For some reason, Jared, last I don't even know. Were we talking about the aces? We were talking uh, about the aces having Yeah, a we were talking about the aces. And I told them that parades are stupid. I why would anybody want to go to a parade? And Danny and Ed for some reason, are like the most pro parade people in the world. I, I, I have a theory, and it is because you and I grew up in the Midwest and the South, res- re- respectively, and so there was a parade every like. There were stupid parades a lot. Yes, there were stupid parades a lot, and you would go and you would sit there in a lawn chair and go, "What? What are we?" What is this? There weren't many parades in Laguna Beach, California. Yeah, so I didn't get my. I didn't get my. The only parade I used to see as a kid is when you went to Disneyland and you saw the light parade at night when yeah. everything was done. It was like nine o'clock at night, and they did the light parade. That's pretty much the only parade I saw. He went to Disneyland. He <laughs> yes. could have stopped there because I'm like, what is that? Uh, I believe we asked uh, almost all our guests last week. Jason Fitz was the only one that was on board. Yes. That's why it's eight to three with the pro parades. Uh, Danny, by the way, tried to tell me that if I don't like parades, I should go to the Boulder City Parade. And the, his reasoning is because after the parade's over on Fourth of July, you get to have a water balloon and water gun fight with everybody. <laughs> and I told him that's not part of the parade. Like that doesn't yeah. make that you're telling me that a parade is good because of something that happens that's not a part of the parade. If they did it like Lights FC style, where halfway through the parade, everyone got <laughs> down, had a massive water balloon fight, <laughs> and then everyone got back on their floats and were like, all right, we are now continuing the second half of the parade. The yeah. other thing that's nice is the Summerlin Parade, as I told you, you get there the day before with all your tents. <gasps> Which is just a disaster. And you set up your tents and your you chairs. you got to commit parts of two different days to this? Yes. <gasps> that's the, that is the ultimate, uh, the setting up of tents in non it, like in not the woods is one of the most confusing things that society has in the last 50 years society has created, whether it's Black Friday or, yeah, we're going out to the desert to see little Nas X, but we need a tent. <laughs> I think Ed means a canopy, not a tent you sleep in. Oh, okay. <laughs> I need scaffolding from Starkus so I can be at the top as the parades come by and give them waves down there. The first bite. Should we already answered it? Should the Aces start yes. celebrating a title? Yes, yes. where's yes. it at? It's over. It's over. No uh, WNBA team down 02 has ever come back, and it's not going to happen now. We're going to have Sam Garden, <laughs> Gordon on at 7 30. The illustrious history. Yeah, and the illustrious. Well, I think there's 30 years. Yeah, I don't know. I just know no one's come back from down 2 0. I think it's 15 of them that have been down 2 0. 
uh, if I remember the tweet correctly. But we're going to have Sam Gordon on at 7.30. He did a very simple tweet during the game last night. It was a few words, but it was right. can throw the numbers out. Numbers mean anything. They're just better than this team. They're I, just better. I don't know how the Sun win one game in this series, let alone three straight off the aces. They're just they're, they're not, not good, good enough offensively. No. The, the Sun are a good defensive team. And they they can beat teams up inside. That's basically the Connecticut Sun path to victory is be good defensively and beat you up inside. Very similar to what Bill Lambert did. Um, But the Aces are the best offensive team in the league. And we saw last night that it didn't matter how good Connecticut was on defense. The Aces can score on them. And the other part is the Aces aren't getting beat up inside. The Aces were better in the paint than the Sun were in that game. And if the Aces are going to have an advantage in the paint, Aces are going to blow out game three as well. To me, the only way that Connecticut wins. They need a the big, game, a game, the big three of Kelsey Plum, Chelsea Gray, and Asia Wilson. Two of those three have to have a bad game, right? If two, yeah. if two of those three are good, aces are winning no matter what, but two of those three have a bad game. That's got to be step. Number one, step number two, the Connecticut sun have to use their depth and it has to matter because that's been the big pro- problem for the aces all season. They don't have any depth, right? Yeah. Becky Hammond's playing six and a half because Derricka Hamby's got like one good leg out there and it hasn't mattered because Asia Wilson's like a tank. She doesn't get tired. Like the last series we saw with Seattle, Brianna Stewart was unbelievable, but there were two games in that series where sometime in the third quarter, she looked tired and Brianna Stewart didn't impact the game for, you know, 10 minutes at a time. And she looked tired. Asia Wilson doesn't get tired. Like, Asia Wilson is just unreal. Like, you cannot wear her down. She has been incredible. So, conceivably, if you're Connecticut, they use more players. They use their bench a lot more. Their stars get a little bit more rest. But, you and you would think, okay, closing of the game, Connecticut might have a little bit of advantage because Asia Wilson has played every single minute. Meanwhile, John Quell Jones got a nice break. Dewana Bonner got a nice break. But Asia Wilson's a tank. Asia Wilson doesn't get tired. So you get to the end of this game, and it's like, oh, she's played every single minute, and she looks perfectly fine. She looks just as good as she did in the first minute of the game. How many times also last night, because I started counting on my hand uh, as I'm watching, the amount of times, once again, it's like Chelsea Gray goes up for a shot, and you're like, yeah, it's not a good shot. And it's like, oh, it went in. And the announcers are, this doesn't matter who's guarding her. Rebecca Lobo's like, who's guarding her? It doesn't matter. Okay. just doesn't matter. Chelsea Gray... Should be the MVP of this yes. series. Like Asia Wilson yes. has, she's Asia Wilson's averaging more points. Asia Wilson's been uh, more efficient. Her field goal percentage is better. There's no denying Asia Wilson's the best player on the team. I think Chelsea Gray should still I be agree. MVP because what the, the part of, and it's it's been a playoff long thing, but the part that Chelsea Gray does that is so incredible is when the Aces have a bad offensive possession. When the shot clock is all of a sudden like at five and they have not gotten a good shot, Chelsea Gray just goes <laughs> off the dribble, yes. gets to 17 feet away, doesn't even create space. She's not even open and puts up a and mid, puts, mid-range and makes, jumper and, makes a shot. and drills them all. Yep. It's unreal what Chelsea Gray has been doing. Right, it, Those are... Those are not like high quality shots. There is not a basketball no. coach in the world that Who is going to be that like, that's a good shot. We want our point guard taking an off the dribble contested mid range jumper. That's Ewing. 
Yeah. Do you practice that shot? Right. But Chelsea Gray has been so good at it. And there are possessions where Connecticut plays spectacular defense for the entire shot clock. They don't. The Aces try to run a play. They don't get anything. And then they play great defense on Chelsea Gray for the final five but seconds. She still makes it. And she hits a shot. And it happens over and over. And it's just like, there's no chance they lose. I, I almost have this question. Why is Chelsea Gray not the best player in the WNBA? Well, <laughs> if she can do this. I mean, if she can do that. she's. It's been during the playoffs. I mean, right. you, you watched more during the regular season than I did. So I don't know if she it was consistently doing no. this. But during the playoffs, but she's been unbelievable. Be. Like if she, because, okay, my entire thing, the, the entire part about that shot, the off the dribble contested mid-range jumper, is you're going to have games where like the best players in the world, whether it's the NBA or WBA, they're going to hit those shots, right? You're just going to have games where players knock down difficult shots. But for the most part, basketball being a lot of possessions and a lot of games, you don't hit that shot over and over and right, over and over. Right. Normally in a series, if you allow the other team's point guard to take a bunch of off-the-dribble, mid-range contested jumpers, they're going to miss them and you're going to win, right? You're going to get defensive sure. stops. That doesn't happen. She just keeps... Hasn't happened for she the just, playoffs, right, never mind just, just the series. making Yes. Them. And it's like, if she can do this, that's all they should do in the regular season. Is She's shooting like 60-something percent in the postseason. She doesn't shoot layups. No, they're like, all mid-range jumpers. They're all the shot that you don't like. No, and if yes, if I was a coach, I'd be like, well, that's a terrible shot, Chelsea. But you, but keep, but you keep making them. You can't stop her. She's shooting like 60% on that shot, which is, makes it like the best shot in the history of the game. So it's it's unbelievable, and even though... I, no problem. Asia Wilson's best player on the uh, on the team in the series. No problem saying that. She's got better points per game number. She's got better efficiency. Chelsea Gray should still be MVP because what oh, she's done is it's, agree. It's incredible, and I, I think she will be. Well, you think so I think it's going to well, be Asia it's Wilson. It's going to be Asia Wilson. Her numbers I, I are, shouldn't her numbers say that. Her numbers and she's the more. I'm not going to say popular player, but it's just. I think with her, it's just more assumed. Yeah, that it, she's going to be the MVP, and yeah. and she's going to have better numbers, but. Uh, if you watch the series, I would also vote for Chelsea Gray, but I, I agree with you. I think it's going to be Asia Wilson. And again, you can't look at her numbers and say, oh, that's a bad pick. No. I mean, no, I it's mean, a fine pick. So either one, but I would I, I would agree with you watching the games and what she's been able to do and the shots she's hit, I would pick Chelsea Gray. It's It's been unreal. So the WNBA breaks down um, field goal percentage by distance from the basket. Chelsea Gray in the postseason is shooting 67% on shots between 10 and 14 feet <laughs> and 68% on shots between 15 and 19 feet. So we're talking about 67, 68% between from anything from 10 on 10 to the three point line. Right. Which is absurd. beyond absurd. Right. It's ridiculous. Like, normally the mid range jumpers, I think it's a little bit higher in the WNBA than the NBA, but normally you're shooting around 40%. Right. She's shooting 67 and 68%. That's unreal. And like to a point where you're like, yeah, I guess keep shooting that. Like they should run plays for Chelsea Gray. It's not, you don't even have to run a play. Right. Just stand around and she's going to dribble and then shoot from 15 feet and it's going to go in. And it's, it's unbelievable. Um, All right. We've talked about this before. Is Miss Twice get a slice of the best promotion in Vegas? I can't Vegas think of a better sports. one. Well, let's let's try to compare. Are there other. I'm trying to think of other uh, uh, shutouts. Uh, get you donuts. I think this is better. Yeah, I do. Yeah. So. Was there ever one with Taco Bell? <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember one. <laughs> so 
Last night. Hey, that's important to me. The, the <laughs> place giving away the free thing is important. Last night, it's game two of the WNBA finals. The Aces rolled, right? They were great for pretty much the entire game. The loudest that the building was. Miss, miss twice, get a miss slice. Miss twice, get a slice. Somebody, I can't remember who yeah. for Connecticut, missed two free throws. Everybody with 10, their ticket people could go get a free a piece slice. of pizza. Suddenly and, it was an empty arena. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it was the loudest the building was when she missed the second free throw. It's an, it's an unbelievable promotion. And I can't think of any other team here that does something that's anywhere close to as good as miss twice, get a slice. It's great. The, the one problem with it is that... The lines? No, no, no. The one problem with the promotion is that after... Because Connecticut missed both free throws in the third quarter. From then on out, the rest of the time Connecticut went to the free throw line, it wasn't as loud. It was like, They've no, already got their yeah, slice. We got our pizza. We don't care if she makes or misses the free yeah. throws. So the one problem so is need... once you cash in on it... So they need to take away the limit. Right. It's it every be, time. Oh, yeah. yeah well. And eventually you get a whole pizza. <laughs> yes. I, I think if um, if a player gets fouled on a three and misses all three, everybody gets a whole pizza. Uh, that'd be. Are the Aces paying for all this pizza? I don't know who's paying. No, who's no, paying for, is Mark Davis paying for all this pizza? It's a sponsorship. You come in, you sponsor I mean, the team, you say we want to do a little fun promotion. Boy, they're giving away a lot. Yeah. Well, not it's not every game that the other team misses too. No, but still, they gave a lot of, yeah. away a lot of pizza this year. I think it's... I've been to all, but I didn't go to the first two playoff games, but both Seattle games and then game two of the WNBA finals. You got missed you got missed twice, Ernest. I think this is the only time I've been that they've done it. I did not go to the pizza place last night. I did not get my free piece of pizza. But wow. I was still excited oh, when she missed both of them. It's still fun. But can you go back with your ticket stub? The next day? Yeah. I don't know. But I'm not driving down to Mandalay Bay to go well, get I'm just saying. one free piece of pizza. Don't you have a ticket to game five? <laughs> uh there's not gonna be a game five. Ed. But do you have a ticket? Uh, yes, we do have a ticket. But game five is not at Mandalay Bay. Oh, that's right. It's at MGM, right. it's which at MGM. That, I will say, I think I'm now cheering for the Sun in the next two games so that we get a game five because I think it's ridiculous that game five would be at MGM and not Mandalay Bay. And I hope I, I want to see that happen so I can yell about it on the radio. So let's go Sun for two games. <laughs> it's not going to happen. <laughs> it's not. I don't I I think the Aces win game three by double digits. I don't think this is I don't even think game three is going to be remotely close. Like, the, again, the only way Connecticut wins a game is if two of the big three are awful and some for the first time, Asia Wilson starts to wear down. To me, that's the only way. Obviously, like, catastrophic injuries, but outside of that, that how they win, I, I just don't think it actually happens. All so right. the series starts the day it ends. It does. <laughs> Coming up next, we'll jump into some Raiders because they are searching for some offensive line help. Thank you. Yeah. Any update on the status of Andre James? Um, I do not. You're listening to the Press Box Summer Edition. Ed, do you have an update on the status of Andre James? <laughs> I do not. Oh, man. Good answer there uh, from Mick Lombardi, offensive coordinator of the Raiders. Um, so there is no update on Andre James, who was taken to the hospital after their game on Sunday due to concussion symptoms. Uh, was it confirmed he did have a concussion? Did they ever confirm uh, that? Well, confirmed. It seems likely. So sure. Likely. Had the sunglasses yeah. on. Um, was taken to the hospital. Joined the team pretty quickly after that, though. So I would assume he had one, and then now you're in protocol and you have to pass all the tests and do all that stuff. So it's concussions, and the Raiders haven't said anything. So maybe he plays Sunday. Maybe he doesn't yeah, play Sunday knows? against the Cardinals. But the Raiders have been looking for offensive linemen. Uh, Vic Tafer 
tweeted yesterday that Kelechi Osimile was meeting with the Raiders. Uh, he did not play last year, only played a total of eight games in 19, 2019 and 2020. Uh, but Vic Tafer then also tweeted later in the day, it looks like that wasn't happening. So it doesn't look like Kelechi Osimile, who played for the Raiders for a while, is coming. But the Raiders did sign Billy Price to the practice squad. He was a first-round pick by the Bengals in 2018. And if the first thing you say about somebody is they're a former first-round pick, it probably means they aren't actually very good. Uh, he did start 19 times for Cincinnati in three years, then was traded to the Giants. He started 16 games last year for the Giants, but has not signed since then. These are his pro football focus ranks among all offensive linemen in the last three years. 225, 232, 188. So he's not very good, uh, but he plays center. Them signing a center to the practice squad, that um, mean anything to you about Andre James? Maybe. I think I would think, wouldn't you say Dylan Parham would get the first look at it, and then if something happens there, you can so, bring Andre James up? I would assume. Let's, let's If Andre James... Excuse me, Billy Price. Yeah, if Andre James Excuse does me. miss a game... Right. I would assume Dylan Parham becomes the center. I'd assume he gets to start. And then you've got to bring uh, Billy Price up because you need a backup center. You can't have some. You can't have only one guy that knows right. how to snap the ball. So I, that would be my assumption, is that if Andre James can't play, Dylan Parham becomes the center, Billy Price moves in as uh, your backup center. So that would be my guess as to why that was the move for the Raiders. Um, but again, I don't know if that means bad news for Andre James or if this is just a, hey, just in Might case Might be precautionary. Situation. Right. Like, the, in all honesty, as much as, like, we yell about teams not giving injury information and when timelines and all that, the Raiders might not know today if Andre James is going to be a right, player. Right, exactly. Like, they, they might not have any Guys idea. Guys recover from that different at right. different rates. So this is one where it's like, yeah, they they could know. They could know, oh, yeah, Andre James is definitely not playing, but... This could just be... It's not Dak with the Cowboys out for 6-8. Six, we'll, six, we'll see him in four. <laughs> and then Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones we'll see him in four. He's not going on iron. <laughs> like, yep, yeah, he's coming back. So the Raiders are looking for offensive linemen to an extent. Um, if Do they play seven again? Obviously, if Andre James is hurt, they won't play seven. But do they? Yeah, I think they stay with they what they did. They play everybody? I, I think they stay with what they did. I'm almost convinced of it at if, this point. If they come out, and whatever whatever starting five combination they use. Plays really well? Do they stick with them? They have to, right? I would think if they play really well and they're protecting them, yeah. then why would you change stuff? But I'm not counting on that. So it's, I think that they're going to play all seven. Yeah. it's It just, I don't know. It feels weird where it's, it's almost like when we talk about Michigan and Jim Harbaugh and he's like, ah, oh, I'm going to start one quarterback in one game and another quarterback yeah, in another game. Yeah, but that's because scripture then... said so. <laughs> So. Has anybody asked Josh McDaniels if Solomon no. told him to I don't use think Josh seven McDaniels offensive linemen? <laughs> no, he probably goes, who's Solomon? Is that like, is that like an assistant <laughs> to the offensive line coach? <laughs> Can we sign him to play right tackle? Is he available? Uh, it's just, it's weird where you're like, I mean, I, I don't know. Have we heard of, have, do, you, do either of you remember a, a team being like, oh yeah, we're going to rotate through a bunch of different combinations on our offensive line, like as a plan? No, we talked about that yesterday. I, I didn't remember seven and then having four different combinations yeah. with that seven. Yeah. Not, it, I, I mean, if you're going to roll through, you know, if, you're, if your left guard's not playing well and you throw in another left guard, that's one thing. But four different combinations. But four different combinations is, is a little different. You're than moving you've guys seen. to different spots. Yeah, exactly. In exactly. game. In game. It, it's, I don't know. It's weird. I, I can't recall a team being like, oh, yeah, we, we are. 
We are playing the guys that deserve to play, and it's four different combinations right. of offense. I mean, hell, there's going to be a team. We don't know who, but there will be a team. There's a team every year where you get to, like, week 15, and they're like, they've used the same five offensive linemen for every snap of the season. <laughs> and somehow they're 13-2. and two. <laughs> Yes. And so there's going to be a team that's, like, 10-plus weeks in, and nobody else, not, and the sixth guy has not even seen the field for their offensive line. Meanwhile, the Raiders are like, yeah, we got seven guys. We just, we just trade. They just all change positions after one drive. Has <laughs> smacked my mic. Like they're just that like, yeah, actually, whatever. That, He's not happy with the uh, the rotation of the offensive line. I, I, I would be really happy though if like they all walked up and they like kind of quasi got into position and then Derek Carr like clapped his hands and they all like do a scramble, <laughs> like they all move around and the defensive tackles are like, this doesn't confuse us. <laughs> no, no. When they play a team. With only one good edge rusher, right? So anybody that has one good edge rusher is almost certainly going to put that guy against the Raiders' right tackle, right? Whoever right. that is, Element or somebody they sign in the next few weeks, whatever. The Raiders should do what Jared just suggested and put Colton Miller over. Yeah, just like they line up, and then all of a sudden Colton Miller sprints to the right to be the right <laughs> tackle, and that way the edge rusher doesn't get this massive right. advantage on Jermaine Element or Thayer Munford. I like this idea: offensive line scrambling. What um. The, the the NASCAR package, they call it the NASCAR package when the defensive linemen all stand up. None of them yes. go down into a three-point stance. Somehow we need that for the offensive linemen. The NASCAR package where they're just all standing and then just run around to a I, different location right before the snap. I don't know why, but it made me think of uh, the Patrick Mahomes package where he goes in motion. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I need down, set, Colt Miller backs up and starts shuffling down the line. Who do they snap it to when Mahomes goes in motion? Kelsey? I th- I think so. And then Yes. Yeah. Yes. But they call it like the Porsche package. <laughs> well, naturally, yeah. You gotta get Mahomes. You don't want to snap the ball to Patrick Mahomes. Only bad things happen when you give him the ball. So uh maybe they should try Derek Carr as like a right tackle. They gave him that one assignment against Joey Bosa. He might need some more work there at right tackle. As long as they're not pitching to the wide receiver for the draw <laughs> for the for the uh Draw against uh, across the middle. Okay, I know we've already harped on it a little bit, but it's a great point. We've we can put, harp on we it we week. have zoomed in on the offensive line, and they went. You know what we should do in this situation? A play that takes a while to develop <laughs> in the backfield. What's our weak link? Holding up in protection. Let's have multiple handoffs going on. Well, listen, Derek Carr might block just as well as whoever they have at right tackle. So you might as well assign him to. Joe. He's there. He's in there to chip Joey Bosa. <laughs> A rub route. Yeah, he's in the yes. Chip him and then a delay route. Yeah, give give a little help and then go out in the flats and catch it and run for a touchdown. All right, coming up next, Sam Gordon joins Sammy the Gordon. show. Raquan Williams gonna try another three. Boom! Shaka laka laka boom! Bay bay for three. The Aces back up a dozen. Back to the best box summer edition. Joining us now from the Review Journal is Sam Gordon. Boom shakalaka, here he is. Uh, All right, Sam, is there any way, not even three straight games, is there any way the Connecticut Sun win one game against the Aces? Um, Is there any way? Yeah, sure. Uh, You know, they go home. It's it's an overnight flight. They get a lift from their home crowd. They're able to muck things up uh, a little bit tomorrow, and, and maybe they extend their series by game, Tyler, but... You know, it's it's just as likely, in my opinion, that that doesn't happen. I think it's pretty clear um, after seeing the game yesterday, the Aces took Connecticut's best shot in game one, 
Yankees had their best game plan. They had their best stuff. They dictated the pace, the tempo, everything about game one and couldn't win. And I think that had to be, you know, psychologically deflating to a certain point. The Aces um, really asserted their will yesterday, you know, jumped out early. And, and, and any time Connecticut, you know, got close, they, the Aces would make a push. And, and they were just super impressive all the way around. It was, um, quite frankly, probably one of the best, you know, all-around team performances I think I've seen them play in their five years here. Their, 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 their stars were tremendous. Uh, the role players, you know, played their part. There was 10,000 people at, uh, at Michelob Ultra Arena, and, and, and all of them are, you know, excited to celebrate a championship. So um, the Aces are just better. They're just a better team than the Connecticut Sun. I think that much is obvious after yesterday. And I would, I, you know, would one win surprise me? No, but I, I don't think this, this, this series is coming back to Las Vegas. I think the fans saw their home team uh, play for the last time last night. Do you like parades? <laughs> Wow, do I like parades? You know, when I was when I was younger, I did. Yes, I remember. I would. Yeah, my, mom, there was one, my, my aunt and uncle. There was a parade that went down their their street every summer, <laughs> and my mom would take me. You know, I was I little, four, five, six years old. Um, this is maybe fifteen minutes away from where I grew up, but I have not been to one in quite some time. It's probably been fifteen years. Yeah, so he doesn't like parades that much. He hasn't been. He hasn't. You don't, <laughs> Sam. You don't like parades because you liked it when you were twelve. Come on. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe I'm. Yeah, you're right. I haven't been. So maybe I'm speaking from a place of ignorance. If, if, see, you know, we'll, see, we'll see. I'm, I'm expecting a parade here. You know, coming up, coming up sometime soon. Maybe you know, experiencing that will change my perspective a little bit. Uh, you're handed at the end of the series an MVP uh, ballot, and there's two names on it: Asia Wilson and Chelsea Gray. Who do you pick? Oh wow. Um, it's like splitting hairs, right, Ed? I, I think when you take a look at, at just the way they both played, um, you know, throughout the course of the postseason, um, particularly for Asia Wilson over the last five games, right, she had that dud in game one of the Seattle series where she has eight points. It was just a no-show um, in the fourth quarter. And since then, she's been outstanding. She stripped off five straight 2010 games. Uh, and that's the first in WNBA playoff history. Uh, up until yesterday, right, in the, in the ensuing four games, she had averaged more than 40 minutes a game, just, you know, playing the whole game. I think she's averaging over the last five, something like 28, 11, three blocks and shooting 65% from the field, anchoring, you know, anchoring what they're doing on both ends. And then conversely, you have Chelsea Gray, right, who has the ability to manipulate every single possession. Her efficiency has been outstanding, hitting tough shots, uh, creating easy shots for herself and her teammates. Uh, and, and just, you know, the, the duo that, that they've assembled, I mean, you're looking at, you know, I think the best player, you know, Asia Wilson ascending right, right there with Brianna Stewart not to take anything away from her, but you're looking at the best player in the world and the best guard in the world in Chelsea Gray, and they're playing on the same team, right? Um, it's close. You can't go wrong either way, but I would go with Asia Wilson just for, for, for what she means um, to their defense and just how vital of an anchor she's been on that end of the floor. She was, you know, excellent in protecting the rim yesterday, getting out and being disrupted when she's away from the basket and just being an all-around anchor. So that's, um, I guess that's a luxury for Aces fans, right? Like that's the debate is who is the finals MVP, um, it's going to be one of the two. They're, they're both deserving, but, but my vote, if I have one, um, would definitely go to Asia. If she does win the finals, um, if she does win finals MVP, that'll be you know MVP, defensive player of the year, and finals MVP in the same season, right? One of you're talking about one of the greatest um, all-around seasons in basketball history. I think only a team has done that on the men's side, and I don't know if it's been done um, on the women's side yet. So uh, just an astounding season um, if she completes it. But that's to take nothing away from Chelsea Gray. It's the best one-two punch in the league, and it's why they're in this position that they're in. How does Chelsea Gray keep making a off-the-dribble contested mid-range jumper that I don't think any basketball coach in the world would actually want someone to take, but she's hitting those at like 65% in the playoffs? Yeah, that, 
that's a great question, right? I think that's that's the question that all these opposing coaches, you know, are trying to ask, and and, and we as you know journalists and media, and and then you know the fans are watching, kind of in, in awe. It's just she's you know reached another level. She's just kind of tapped into another gear. I know that sounds super cliche, but I don't know how else to explain it. These are clearly shots she practices, an element of the of her game um, that she works on. And for the Aces, what a luxury, right? Where you know, maybe your first and second actions are taken away because that's going to happen in basketball. And you have somebody like Chelsea Gray who in one-on-one situations not only can, you know, use the, the remaining seconds in the shot clock to bend the defense in a way to create a great look for somebody else, but these fallaways and sidestep jumpers and leaners and, and deep threes, uh, I mean, I, I think you're at the point now, Tyler, where you, you're surprised when she misses because she's just been making them at such a ridiculous clip. Um, she's in position... To, to, you know, she, she has an opportunity to be, I believe, the second player um, in playoff history after Diana Taurasi to complete a postseason with a 50-40-90 split, to prestigious 50-40-90 split. And, you know, she's been up over 60% shooting for a majority of the postseason. Um, just a total command of the, of the point guard position uh, right now and being able to do a little bit of everything, getting to the rim, of course, making those shots, and then facilitating. Uh, it's, been, it's been a virtuoso playoffs for, for Chelsea Gray and, and really – um, again, cementing herself, I believe, right now is the best guard um, in the world. Yeah, you mentioned, you you wrote about today, Kelsey Plum. How big was that for her? I mean, I I think we all think the series is over, but just to get her back going last night, huge, um, Ed, huge. Uh, they 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 really needed her scoring in game one. Yes, they won game one, and and they did enough. But let's you know, a couple things go differently in that game, and we're looking at a totally different series. So um, the Aces wanted to get her involved. There was a point. There was a point of emphasis getting her the ball. Um, you know, with her getting into the paint, right? I think in the postseason, um, she's just played with, her, played with her dribble a lot and, and, and not really used it to get anywhere, but there was decisiveness. She was attacking closeouts. And when things weren't available at the basket, she was kicking and relocating. And that's when she's at her best, when it's a blend of scoring, of driving, of shooting, and then of looking for her teammates. Um, she was super efficient just, just in the way that, she, you know, with her movements and, and how she attacked and how she operated. Um, and it really kind of, I thought, opened up the floor and created additional space uh, for everybody else. So for her, right, knowing just kind of her journey and what she's been through, she didn't play in the 2020 you know, finals because, of course, the, the Achilles injury uh, you know, struggled earlier in her career and has now worked her way up to a point where you know, she's having 20-point games in the finals and is a difference maker as one of the best guards um, and one of the best players in the world. So I think it's huge for her. You could tell her teammates really felt um, happy for her, and, and and look when she plays well, when everything's clicking, everybody's at the top of their game. Yesterday, you saw the results, so uh, I, I think that has to be a boost for her, a boost of confidence to do something like that on a great on a big stage after you know her one of nine performance and just a postseason in general where her efficiency has fallen off the table compared to where it was at um, in the regular season. But she showed, you know, that she is of course more than capable at contributing at, at the highest of levels. She's done that all season and kind of a signature. Uh, performance for her, you know, last night putting her stamp on a finals game and then helping the Aces go up to nothing. Is Miss Twice Get a Slice the best promo in Vegas sports? Oh, yeah, no question. Um, no question, Tyler. Every time that that promo happens, the, the, the decibels <laughs> in the arena raise the levels you don't hear elsewhere in town, right? Like, I was trying to think yesterday, when else have I heard, you know, venues this loud? And, of course, you know, the acoustics are different with the, with the size of the, you know, the size of the arena or whatever. But in Vegas, there's only been a, you know, a couple instances where I've really heard the crowd like that. When, when Brianna, I believe it was Brianna Jones uh, missed a couple free throws in the, I think it was the third quarter, the crowd just absolutely went berserk. And you could, you know, I was sitting next to our, our beat writer, Andy Yamashita, and, you know, talking to you, trying to talk to me, you could hardly hear yourself talk. Um, that's how loud it was. So, 
the, the Aces, uh, you know, the 10,000 strong yesterday is not only, of course, a testament uh, to the way the team has played, you know, throughout the course of the last, this season and just what they've built uh, the last five years, but, but how, you know, the, how the organization has uh, engaged its fans, you know, how it's promoted the team in-game and understanding that, hey, you know, basketball, the world-class basketball is a part of this experience, but there's more to it as well in terms of engaging the fans. So they've done a great job, and they really improved, I think, in those areas the last five years, and um, you have a, as a result, you have a vibrant, you know, atmosphere that engages, you know, fans all, all game long who hope that they can get a slice, and they got one yesterday. Have you ever been tempted to use your press credential to get a slice? <laughs> not, no, not, not, not quite, not quite. I, I, I will confess that I have, uh, at T-Mobile Arena before, I have shown it to the vendors, you know, who, who have said, hey, okay, we'll take care of you, you know, we'll give you discounted, you know, pizza or whatever, and in situations where we haven't had food, uh, provided for us, but I've never just used it to say, "Hey, I need a slice," because I'm I'm, I'm me. I've never done that. Before. No. <laughs> well, he's Sam Gordon. Be a little more selfish. He loves Go get parades. The free pizza. He does not love parades. Twelve-year-old Sam went to parades. That's not the same. Ed. <laughs> Sam, not the same. Not the same. As always, we appreciate it. Thanks, Sammy. All right, thanks, guys. Appreciate you having me. Talk soon. Uh, uh, so there's Sam Gordon. Uh, eight three, eight four, eight four. If Jared's uh. And not being decisive is an 8-3 to you. Sam's I like parades at 12 is an 8-4 for me. Jared Ooh. then spent the next 45 seconds saying why he didn't like parades. But Sam included his mother. And when you include, about, when the Minnesota kid includes his mother taking him to parades, he's an 8-4. I, I have another parade that I, I do find acceptable. The, the one at the beginning of the Olympics where, like, all of them walk out oh, of the parade ceremonies. of athletes. Yeah. Opening ceremonies. Yeah. yeah that, that parade. Excellent. Well, the funny part about that parade is the different number of athletes at, oh, in each exactly. country. Exactly. When like, Tonga walks out with oh, one right. guy, and the United right. States, he was the same guy from the Summer well, Olympics. The United States I am delighted. says we're going to take a commercial break. When they come back, they're still walking out. Yes. <laughs> I don't even. Think, I don't even think all the U.S. athletes walk in it, right? No. Yeah. No, a lot I of think them. Some of them are in events. Well, that's the thing. A lot of them who have events the next day won't walk because. You kind of want to be off your feet yeah. before you uh, compete in the Olympics, which you've been worried about your entire life. But if you're the only, if you're the first winter Olympic athlete in the history of your country, you got to walk. Oh, I'm pimping. Yeah. I'm literally going out there <laughs> with, with the flag. The oh, the flag is in both hands and I am running like I just scored the like winning goal in the World Cup. <laughs> All right. Coming up next, we'll jump into some NFL. You just feel the team getting faster and faster, and you're going to see it on tape as you're watching TV. Is going to be like, damn, these guys are flying around and they're making plays and they're talking smack. And I know it's going to happen. We're all taking receipts on all the people who continually mock and and say that we ain't going to do anything. I'm taking receipts, and I'm going to be more than happy to share them with all of y'all when it's all said and done. All of the sun, none of the fun on the press box summer edition. <laughs> The Jets suck. So yeah. that yeah. was Robert Sala, the head coach of the Jets. Um, I'm like genuinely, the uh, late night with Seth Myers has a running joke where they just go, "Or oh, you could be a Jets fan." <laughs> like it's just that is how big of a punchline your team is. He's taking receipts, and they're probably all going to be proven to be correct, right? At the end of the season, have the receipts, or whenever the hell he plans on turning in these receipts. I don't know. Jets aren't any good. Um, <laughs> we did not get to this earlier in the week, but according to ESPN, Lamar Jackson turned down a deal worth $250 million, uh, reportedly had $133 million in guaranteed money. 
according to Adam Schefter. That is more than both Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray, but well short of Deshaun Watson, who got his $230 million contract fully guaranteed. So we have not heard this directly from Lamar Jackson or from the Ravens, but there have been a couple of reports now that basically point us to the reason Lamar Jackson and the Ravens haven't agreed to a new contract yet is because of guaranteed money because they can't agree on how much guaranteed money. I can't imagine Lamar Jackson is against $250 million as the total compensation for the contract, because that would be, I think the most NFL quarterbacks gotten, but how much guaranteed money is on there. The NFL is different from pretty much all of our other sports where all of our other sports, baseball, hockey, it's basketball, just guaranteed. it's all fully guaranteed. The money's just guaranteed. Right. And the NFL it is not. That is contractually spelled out on every player. Deshaun Watson getting a fully guaranteed five-year deal is... Well, that was just the Browns being idiots. Right. Uh, not something that normally happens. So, which side is right here? Like, is is Lamar Jackson making a mistake expecting to get a fully guaranteed deal because of Deshaun Watson? Or are the Ravens making a mistake not giving their quarterback a fully guaranteed deal. I don't usually take the losing. side of the team, but I'm taking the side of the team this time. Cause I don't know. I, I, I don't think you can follow the Browns. Like I said, I right. think the Browns were just idiots. Um, and it's, it's a, it's a hard sport. It's a violent sport. It's a rest sport. I think 133 million guaranteed. And I do agree. He needs more guaranteed than Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray, which he will get in that deal that that was, a, you know, on, on the basis on what I'm just reading it. It seems like it's a pretty fair deal. So if you're, Lamar Jackson. He obviously didn't sign a new deal. According to this, he turned down 250 total and 133 guaranteed. guaranteed. If you're Lamar Jackson, and if your sort of argument in this case is, well, Deshaun Watson got a fully guaranteed deal. I've got an MVP. I'm also not suspended for sexually assaulting massage therapists. I deserve at least what Deshaun Watson got, if not more, probably more. If you're Lamar Jackson, are you basically dying on that hill? Are you using the Deshaun Watson contract and saying, this is this is what I want and I'm not budging? Or are you coming off that eventually at some point and saying, okay, like that's an outlier and I'm not going to get that. So I'll I mean, take... wouldn't you do your research that no other team is going to do what Cleveland did and then you're going to have to come off it? So I mean, he's does he's he's his own agent, so I don't right. know what research he's going to do. In terms according of according to the story, he's he's been advised by the uh, players' association. Like in his whole thing, they haven't acted as his agent, but they've been helping him. And apparently, according to this, the players' association has pushed him to you ask for you get a guaranteed, Die a fully guaranteed deal, right? Which, if you're the players' association as a collective, you absolutely want Lamar Jackson to get a fully guaranteed deal. If you're the players, because sure. The more those happen, yeah. the more they'll happen in the future, of course. Too. But that's apparently part of this is the players association sort of advising him to do that. Okay. So Lamar Jackson's situation, he's playing the final year on his rookie deal. He's going to make $23 million uh, this season. The assumption here is that if they don't come to a new agree, a new contract with the Ravens, that they will franchise tag him. Now the franchise tag is based on the top five salaries at that position. So and that includes Deshaun Watson. It does include Deshaun Watson. So Lamar Jackson next year, if he gets franchise tagged, probably making like fifty million dollars, mm-hmm. forty to fifty million dollars, something in that range, depending on if anybody else gets a new contract or whatever. And then you can be franchise tagged twice. They could do it again the next season and 
it'd probably be more than 40 to 50 million that he would get in year one uh, of the franchise tag. So conceivably, if you're Lamar Jackson, if you don't get hurt, and that I think is the big disclaimer on this entire thing. If you don't get hurt, you're going to make 23 million this year. Let's just use 45 million the next year and 50 million the following year. That is $118 million over the next three seasons without signing a long-term deal. And the tags are guaranteed. Yeah, when you get franchise tag, fully guaranteed. Um, The deal that the Ravens offered him was only $133 million, fully guaranteed. Now, if Lamar Jackson stays healthy, he's going to make almost the same money without ever signing a long-term deal with the team on two franchise tags and the rest of this season. But again, the big caveat there is, does he stay healthy? Because the the absolute worst case scenario for Lamar Jackson is he suffers, you know, whatever, an ACL injury right. is out for this entire season. And then the Ravens are like, well, we're not going to franchise tag you because we're not going to pay you $50 million coming off an ACL, but we're also not giving you $133 million guaranteed. And maybe another team swoops in and gives him all that. Like that's, that's the part that I don't know as well. How interested are other teams in giving him a fully guaranteed deal? For two thirty, if if we knew he he franchise tag would prevent this, but if we knew Lamar Jackson was hitting free agency, unrestricted free agent, is there a team that's offering him a two hundred thirty two hundred fifty million dollar fully guaranteed deal? I don't think there is. I think I most people. I think most people just think Cleveland screwed this up, and <laughs> and they're they're the you know exception to the rule of you need to have a portion of each contract guaranteed, but not the full thing. Yeah, I think so too. Which to me, all of that leads back to Lamar Jackson probably should have taken that deal for 250 and 133 guaranteed um, because of the chance of injury. And it's not just because Lamar Jackson runs more than the quarterbacks. It's just it's football right. and guys yeah. get hurt. Quarterbacks get hurt all the time that stand in the pocket half the time or all the time. So I'm to me, it all points back to what what's the best Lamar Jackson's going to do to make money. And I think taking this deal would have been the best he could do. Obviously, he could go win MVP and and the Ravens could say, okay, we'll give you the full 170 guaranteed. 170 or yeah. 180 guaranteed. But I think this is the best he could have done. And the other part of the guaranteed money, it's really, really important for every position that's not the quarterback because a lot of times you get one big contract if you're an NFL player. Quarterbacks are kind of the exception where those guys, they tend to keep playing for right, a long time right. and they keep renegotiating and getting more, getting more guaranteed money. money. So I think he probably should have taken it.